Welcome to week two of this series, Ceaseless Prayer, one of our core values here at Bentry. When I say core values, what I mean is it is one of the things that when we make decisions as leaders, we say this is so important to us, it's at the core of who we are. So we're, that's why we're doing this. Uh, we're going to attempt to do something today that's just almost impossible, uh, and that is for me to preach a short message. Uh, so you can be praying for me on that. We've got some very special stuff to do at the end of our uh, service, and I don't want to short that time at all. Remember last week when we talked about picturing our connection with God uh, through the Holy Spirit uh, and all as always being on. You know, we're a high-speed internet. We're always on, right? God is always listening in on every conversation and thought you have to treat your consciousness uh, of God as He is listening to every thought. He's involved with every conversation there. Uh, and specifically that we take time each week or each day to get alone with God, even though he's hearing every conversation, but get alone with God to pour out your heart. Whatever uh, worry you have, whatever thing that's on your heart, uh, that you would have that there and you would leave it right with God, at least until that next day when you were alone with God again and you talked about it again. Uh, and if you need to, during the day, stop and get alone. God, God, I've got this worry, this concern. Well, our home base for this series is right here. Take a look with me. There's three infinite, infinite words uh, in there. So like we did last week, let's say these words together. I'll read the verse, but you say these three words. If this is your first week here, well, sorry. So here we are. Rejoice. Pray. And give thanks in, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is Christian, the Christian spiritual act of breathing, prayer, always rejoicing, choosing to live in the joy of the Lord, praying constantly, living this life with this attitude of prayer, and then giving thanks in every situation. Not that the situation you find yourself in is particularly good or particularly happy, uh, but even if you're having the most wonderful day or the most horrible day and you're suffering. That God is still God and is using it all for our good and His glory. Can I get an amen? This is important to understand. This is how we live life as believers in Christ Jesus. Prayer at its heart is the function of our fellowship with God until we see Him face to face in heaven. It's how we live our everyday lives, how we take care of ourselves uh, and how we grow into this deeper relationship, it's how we get to maturity in Christ, is that daily prayer, but also that moment-by-moment -moment prayer of, God, I need you right now. I need you in this moment. On this side of heaven, we are never to lose focus that prayer and Bible study is primarily about our relationship with God and discovering who God is. That's what prayer and Bible study is all about. And prayer rests squarely on the faith in that we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Sent from the Father because He loves us. 
what we just celebrated with communion, that faith that says Jesus is my Savior and He is my Lord because of the faith I have the ability to approach the throne of God. And that faith and that grace is a gift from God. This is our foundation of why we pray. But if we truly believe that there is only one God and that He holds all true power at the end of the day in His hand, He's capable of anything. If we believe that God is the only answer to life, if He's the only author of life, right? If He is the one that created everything, He can answer any trouble we pray for. He can answer anything we ask for. When our friends are sick or when they are hurting in some way, when they lose a job, when there's a family member that they have lost, when they are facing some big, difficult decision in front of them uh, in their life, and they're afraid, they're going, I don't know what to do. Do I do this or this? We pray for them. As believers in Christ Jesus, if we start out with this foundation of prayer about being this relationship with God, we don't stop there. Because if we believe Jesus truly is the only way to get to God through His death, in his resurrection, the only way to eternity with God, uh, we begin to pray for others to be saved as well. Amen? We pray for their salvation. We pray for them to follow Jesus as their Lord and Savior. In fact, let me say this. As you grow in your faith, in, in the knowledge of your relationship, the knowledge of God in that relationship with God, uh, prayer for others will begin to take a lion's share of your prayer time. And if, if your prayer is all about you only, you just know where you're at right there. You just don't know a whole lot. As a mark of a mature believer is not just that we pray for all those problems that we have in life, but that he or she spends a great deal of time praying for others, praying for their salvation, praying for those that are not saved, praying for those people around them that are facing trials. We call this intercessory prayer. uh, Write this down. The act of praying on behalf of others is intercessory prayer. We stand with them in prayer. Intercessory prayer, praying on others' behalf, will take us a majority of our prayer time and effort and focus in prayer once we hit a mark of maturity. This is a mark of maturity in a believer's life. And what's cool is even if you are a brand new Christian, this can supercharge your relationship with God as you begin to pray for the needs of others and pray for their salvation. I've seen it over and over in a new believer's faith as it gets supercharged because they love people by actually praying for them. So how do you pray for others? Well, let's jump to that. I generally like to steer clear of Christianese. You know what Christianese is? Anybody know what Christianese is? It's kind of that insider's language Christians use amongst Christians that outside people that are not believers go, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, words and special phrases that we use. And this one gets accused of being Christianese, and I suppose it is, uh, but it is a good one for intercessory Prayer. So I want you to write this down. Christians must stand in the gap. 
Stand in the gap. Now, this is also a, really a biblical idea. The term stand in the gap comes from several Old Testament passages. One that stands out in my mind, though, comes from the prophet Ezekiel. Let me tell you about Ezekiel. He had been taken away to the land of Babylon, and the land of Israel was under attack, and um, by the, uh, the last city was Jerusalem. Jeru Jerusalem had just been ravaged by warfare, but they were under attack by the Babylonian king. Ezekiel is in the Babylonian capital, already a prisoner, and God begins to speak to him. God told this prophet that all his people's sins about their bloodshed, the innocent lives his people had taken, how they had not followed God's law, sexual sin, stealing from others, worship of false gods. Man, every sin you could think of uh, was happening there. And God, he threatens to destroy Jerusalem. Now he's going to do that with the Babylonian army. God is going to do that. God says this in Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30. God tells Ezekiel, I search for a man among them who would repair the wall and stand in the gap. Notice that. Stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land so that I might not destroy it, but I found none. Now get the picture. You could just say, well, God, just don't destroy it. No, no, that's not what God is saying. He's saying, I want a man to stand in the gap. He's talking about the physical gap in the wall that goes around the city that's for defense. Like that wall keeps out the invading armies and there's literal gaps in the wall. God is using this as a picture for godly men and women to pray, to live a holy life and to pray. In other words, to stand in the gap. So God would relent and say, I won't attack the city. Do you understand the picture? God is saying the people are evil. They deserve my judgment. But if a godly man will stand in the gap, so to speak, I will relent. But God tells Ezekiel, there is no one. There is no one. Standing in the gap is that intercessory prayer for believers. As Christians, we are called to stand in the gap for three big groups. First, we were to stand in the gap. Write this down. Christians are to earnestly pray for the people in their lives who are lost to be saved by Jesus. Those that are outside of the grace of God, pray for those people in your life. We all know people in our lives that are not saved or are not sure of their salvation. Or, let me just say, they're claiming to be a Christian, but you're not so sure. It's not your job to stand in, in judgment eternally, but you can use your intellect and God's Spirit, Holy Spirit, to go, I should be praying for their salvation because you just don't see much fruit in their lives. Some of you right now, we have prayed for you because there's not a lot of fruit produced in your lives. We pray that you find salvation. Look at this, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. The Apostle Paul says, First of all, then, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for, say it with me, everyone. The Apostle Paul is not just trying to list out every kind of word that you can use for the word prayer. What he's doing is he's using all these different words for prayer as a way to emphasize you need to pray. 
You need to pray. You need to lift up everyone in your life. Now you go, but I don't know everyone in the world. That's not what it's saying. Everyone that your life intersects with. Do you see how that works? Your sphere of influence. The Greek word here means to lack or to be deprived or to be without. He said what the Apostle Paul is telling us then is that we are praying for a need. What is the need here? They need salvation. They're lost. Lost people, those outside the church, have a great need of Jesus' blood to wash away their sins. Amen? Because that's how we were saved. As Christians, we are to pray for salvation for everyone in our life. Here's what we know. Not everyone will be saved. Some of you, that comes as a great shock. It's a false teaching of a cult called Universalist. Um, and they say, hey, in the end, everyone will be saved. There is no hell. But that's not what the Bible teaches and certainly not what Jesus himself teaches. The Bible is clear that not everyone will be saved. Jesus calls his people from death to life. He calls them from darkness to save them from eternal punishment to eternal life in heaven. And the vehicle he has commissioned for that job, you. The church, me, brothers and sisters in Christ, the church, the ecclesia, the group of people that call themselves the body of Christ, the church, our job is the gospel. That's how he calls from people from death to life. Christians sharing the gospel one-on-one. In small groups and large groups, we share the gospel with everyone that will listen. And, and, and listen, you listen, we pray for everyone that our life intersects with. And we don't know who will be saved. We just don't know. That's always up to God. Who will respond? Who we will save? That's not up, up to us. Our job is to share the gospel for everyone. And to, God will save those whom he chooses. Now look at this. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. Paul says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of His calling. What is the wealth of His glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of His power towards us who believe? According to the mighty working of His Strength. We pray for the eyes of people to be opened to the gospel. Because listen, listen, if you're not a Christian, if you are uh, an atheist or you're like, I think there might be some God, you're like an agnostic, but you go, I just don't know, right? We pray for you because I know this whole thing of the gospel sounds crazy. Unless it's starting to make sense. And listen to me. That's not us explaining it well. That is the Holy Spirit of God waking you from the dead. That's what's happening. The second way to stand in the gap for people is this. Christians are to pray for the people in their lives who have a need. A need is not the same thing as a want. Moms, dads, when you hear your kids, can you say a big amen for this? 
Yeah, right? Because we get the two confused. I know, I go, God, I need this. And God goes, that's actually not a need, that's a want. This is a big area for me. I spend a great deal of time praying each morning for those in my mini church and for the church at large and people in my family and just friends on the street uh, that I have down the street from me. I hear many of you who have a need or someone you know has a need and you, they ask for prayer. This is what we're talking about. I'm humbled to get to do that. I know you are too. If you stand in the gap, this is the second way to stand in the gap. Maybe someone's sick. Maybe someone needs a job. Look at this. James 5 verse 13. The Apostle, Paul, uh, Apostle James says, is anyone among you suffering? Raise your hand if you've suffered this year. Raise your hand. Oh, we're in good shape. No, that's not true. Raise your hand if you've suffered this year. That'd be, that'd be all of us. That'd be all of us. He should pray. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick person and the Lord will raise him up if he has uh, committed sins. He will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins one another, to, uh, sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is, a very, power, is very powerful in its effect. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. Now check this out, check this out. All Christians can pray. All Christians can pray. You can go to God, you have access because of Jesus, right? But what this is talking about is Christians who are trying to walk in holiness and they're avoiding temptation, avoiding sin, they're fleeing from sin, following the commands of Jesus to steer clear of sin. It's those people It's saying that their prayers are very powerful in effect. It's not saying that people that sin, that Christians, their prayers have no effect. It's just saying if you live a life in holiness, it is very powerful. The psalmist said this to us in Psalm 66, verse 18. He says, if I had cherished iniquity, that's a fancy word for sin, wrongdoing if i had cherished iniquity in my heart the lord would not have listened who this is a tough teaching but it's true write this down the effectiveness of our prayer life is impacted by the level of unrepentant sin that we allow in our lives now here's the truth of the matter when we are forgiven we are forgiven past, present, future. We no longer, as believers in Christ, have hell to pay. This is important to understand. So what is this? Unrepentant sin. This is when we go ahead and continue to sin, and we continue to sin, and we've got this private sin. Maybe we're just going, well, I can just fool everybody. And maybe you do. Except you'll never fool the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will always show you and point out the unrepentant sin. When you have unrepentant sin in your life, it limits the effectiveness of your prayers. We don't know what that looks like. But the second reason is your prayers are simply not as effective. We don't know completely how this works. One is that God meant just be like, well, like, why are you asking me? You're like living with the enemy right now. 
Or it may simply be that sin is limiting your hearing from God, like putting fingers in your ears going, la, 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 la. You know what I mean? Like you're going, I- I'm living in sin. I love God. God's going, pull your fingers out of your ears. And it may be simply that when you have unrepentant sin, and I'm just saying this is from me, a brother to your brothers and sisters here. When I have unrepentant sin that I'm trying to hide from God, what happens is I simply don't want to spend any time with God. I'm just ashamed. I'm just ashamed. Jesus, the brother, I'm sorry, James, the brother of Jesus, addresses this when he says in James 4, 3, he says, you ask and you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures on your pleasures when a believer in jesus prays for a need for anyone god hears us and and we don't just pray for other christians needs we pray for anyone non-christians needs um anyone our life touches in our sphere right listen it's that practice there that have brought so many of you into the kingdom another christian praying for you a for your salvation They may not have told you, but I know people in this room that have said, I I came to God because, because, listen, this guy said, hey, uh, can I pray for you when I had that need? So you're sitting with someone that has a need and they're just pouring out. Maybe they're suffering. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a health issue, whatever it is. Maybe it's a financial issue and they're just your friend at work or at school or the neighbor or whatever it is. And and they're just facing this big deal. And you say, whew, this is brave. Uh, Could I pray for you? And you'll get a weird, you know, like a dog that hears a high-pitched sound like, you know, like that, like, like you want to pray for me? And you say, yeah. Now, you could say, hey, I'll be praying for you. But I'll tell you what's really effective is say these words. Can I pray for you right now? Now, granted, if they say no, don't do it uh, out loud. Keep praying underneath your breath, you know, like praying in your heart. Uh, But if they go, man, that'd make me real uncomfortable. But you know what I've said? I've said these words many times. I go, I know we're sitting here at Starbucks and it'll just be weird if we're like holding hands across the table or something and uh, we've got our heads bowed. So if it'd make it more comfortable, uh, just keep your eyes open. And, and I pray to them. I, I pray to God for them right there. And it looks just like two dudes talking at Starbucks. And I go back to that point over and over where I hear people say, do you know what led me to Christ? Is when you prayed for me that time, you know, when we were at Starbucks or when we were just sitting on that park bench or at work? Here's my question to you. When you think of your sphere of influence, those in your family, your, your friends, your work, your school, uh, wherever you interact, um, listen to this. Who is the person God desires you to pray for? Maybe it's more than one person. That's okay. I, I, I've told you many times I keep kind of like a prayer journal. It's not like a prayer journal. It's a prayer journal. Um, and I write every worry that I have down that I just take to God every morning. And your names are written in there because I'm praying for you, praying for me, praying for my family. Um, but in the back of my 
book, I, I start and I go back this way and I write the names of people that I, I want to see in the kingdom. That they don't believe Jesus is the Son of God. And I, I seek God on their behalf. Who are those people? Who do you need to be praying for, right? Maybe it's more than one person. Maybe it's a lot. Uh, the great uh, preacher, D.L. Moody, uh, you can go at uh, Moody Bible Institute. They've got one of his Bibles there in a little museum kind of thing. And, and, and I just have tears roll down my face because they've got it open to the back. And in every margin, he's got people he's praying for their salvation. I, I love that, P, that picture. Let's hit the last one for today. This is how Christians are to stand Christians are to pray for the people, to pray for the people to become the person God designed them to be. Become the person God designed them to be. This is both Christians and non-Christians. Pray this for those around us that are believers and those that aren't. Pray for your children. Pray for your grandchildren. Pray for your nephews and nieces. Listen to the Apostle Paul's prayer. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, he prays this, For this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may, all, may have a great endurance and patience, uh, and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom. Of the son he loves. Someone say amen on that. That's a prayer. We say that we don't always know what to pray for. I rarely know what to pray for. We're going to talk more about this next week. I would suggest you rarely know how to pray the right things either. Even if you think you do. Praise God we have the Holy Spirit praying on our behalf. Next week we'll hit this topic in detail. But understand this. Understand this. The answer to prayer is always up to God, not us. Sometimes God says yes to our prayers. Praise God when He says yes to our prayers. I love it when that happens. Sometimes God says wait, and I'm like, you know the Jeopardy songs playing in my head? God, where are you? I'm waiting. I told you this. It's hard to wait, isn't it? But praise God for that too. Amen? Sometimes, sometimes, God says no. You know why He says no? Because He loves you. Sure can't hurt though, can it? It can be painful. A bitter pill to swallow. But even then, we praise God and thank God because He knows what is right for Him. He is the good shepherd. He is the perfect father and he knows what is right for his child even if the child is throwing a temper tantrum and saying but God I know what's right no you don't and no I don't here's what we can know as believers in Christ Jesus Proverbs chapter 
3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding. Glorious might. So that you may, all, may have a great endurance and patience and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. Someone say amen on that. That's a prayer. We say that we don't always know what to pray for. I rarely know what to pray for. We're going to talk more about this next week. I would suggest you rarely know how to pray the right things either, even if you think you do. Praise God, we have the Holy Spirit praying on our behalf. Next week we'll hit this topic in detail, but understand this, understand this. The answer to prayer is always up to God, not us. Sometimes God says yes to our prayers. Praise God when He says yes to our prayers. I love it when that happens. Sometimes God says, wait, and I'm like, you know, the Jeopardy song's playing in my head. God, where are you? I'm waiting. I told you this. It's hard to wait, isn't it? But praise God for that too. Amen? Sometimes, sometimes, God says no. You know why He says no? Because He loves you. Sure can't hurt though, can it? It can be painful, a bitter pill to swallow. But even then, we praise God and thank God because He knows what is right for Him. He is the good shepherd. He is the perfect Father. And He knows what is right for His child, even if the child is throwing a temper tantrum and saying, but God, I know what's right. No, you don't. And no, I don't. Here's what we can know as believers in Christ Jesus. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know Him, and He will make your path straight. This is a promise we can bank on to rest in God's sovereign plan for our lives. Well, Let's go to God in prayer right now. At the same time, standing in the gap around us. Listen. You've been placed in your life specifically by God to know and do life with those around you. If you are a believer in Christ Jesus, You are called to pray for others. The question is, will you stand in the gap with people around you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have called us. You have called us to pray, to stand in the gap. Show us how. God, I pray that you show us who to pray for right now as believers in your Son, Jesus. As you continue in an attitude of prayer right now. Just look at your program there and those notes there where it says, the person or persons in a blank.
Who is God laying on your heart right now? Who is the person, who are the people that you are called to pray for? There's someone in your life right now that needs Jesus. Who is it? They may be sitting next to you. You may not want to write it down. That's all right. Or maybe you do. God will tell you. Write those names down right now. Or at least get that picture in your head. Pray this prayer with me. God, would you make me an instrument in these people's lives? Help me to stand in the gap for those around me that I need to pray for. God, teach me how to pray. Show me what to pray for. God, I pray that you make me a light to the people in my world around me. End your prayer like this. I pray this in the name of Jesus that you would save these people, that you would provide for their needs, and God, that you would make them into the person you have designed them to be. And because of that, God, that they would be drawn to you in a real and deep way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. End your prayer like this. I pray this in the name of Jesus that you would save these people, that you would provide for their needs, and God, that you would make them into the person you have designed them to be. And because of that, God, that they would be drawn to you in a real and deep way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We pray. Amen.